0: Casey, I was hoping you could pull something up for me. Pull up that second song that we did for worship. Or Cole. <laughs> Cole looks a lot like Casey this morning. Um, go to the... the uh, not the bridge. Uh, go to the chorus of this song. Is that the chorus? Okay. No? Go to the bridge then. There we go. That's the one. Although we will go back to that one. I just want to go over this again. We sang this during worship today. Shake up the ground of all my tradition. Break down the walls of all my religion. Your way is better. Your way is better. Then go to that next slide or previous slide, whatever that was. The one... Yes I will make room for you Do whatever you want to Do whatever you want to We sang that this morning And I just want to ask you to When you are before the Lord Do you mean that? Do you mean that? I believe you do I know I do Do you make room for him? Do you fix your eyes solely on him? Because that's honestly a hard thing to do. It really is. If it were easy, then everybody would do it. It's not like choosing a label, inviting Jesus into your heart, becoming a Christian, and then, okay, I'm set. His part was done. He paid for it on the cross. When we accept him as Savior, then we are his. But that, honestly, is where our part begins. That's where we press into him for relationship. That's where we fight the broken flesh, the fallen flesh that we were born into. And that is an everyday fight. So those words have to ring true in our lives. Do we make room for him? And then in that declaration, Lord, shake it up. Shake it up. Shake up my religion. Shake up those things that have bound me to a thought process of what brings captivity. And that's not what he wants. It's not what he wants. So. I say this as a warning, but I also say it as an encouragement. Be careful what you sing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Be careful what you declare. Because it's heard. It's heard by God. It's also heard by the entire spirit realm. And thankfully, the Lord knows our hearts. He knows what our hearts choose in terms of Him. But I just wanted to lay that before you. And I am going to have Alex come up here. I know she was given a word this morning. I don't know what it is. I know it was different than perhaps the Lord normally gives. Here. Oh, wait. Where's that other one? There you go. Um, But I wanted... I was asking the Lord if he wants it at the beginning or at the end. And he has said at the beginning. So go ahead.
1: The Lord had been speaking to me all morning. And um, uh, he has, as many of you know, he has um, given me the, the ecstatic gift. And so this word that he gave is the first time that he's ever done it this way before. Um, when his presence is heavily on me, I know that he... Um, wants to say something sometimes it's just for me privately sometimes it's for the church and uh, he definitely had me remove my shoes and I didn't know if he would bring me forward at the end of worship to share it but he said no and had me record it onto my phone and it was equally as heavy Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the back Um, but this is what he said and and uh, for those of you not familiar with that um, definitely the The spirits were tested, and this is the Father. Still, the words are still a heavy presence on me, so just bear with me. I have come to give you this word from my heart this morning. I am sending you into a new season where dependence and reliance on me will be more critical than ever before. This is not the time for self-reliance of any kind, nor a reliance on things you know or have known. For without me, you will not be able to withstand the coming days. In the midst of the darkness becoming darker, I will be your light and will make you the light of the world as you love me, abide in me, And are in me. I have said trust me. But without your trust in me. You will see before your very eyes. What will come to you. And what will become of you. I have said my arms are open to you. I love you with an everlasting love. And I will be with you in everything. And I will never forsake you. But as you move into this season, if you do not choose me, if you do not seek me with all of your heart, woe to you, but you will be swallowed up by the darkness. I am holy. I am righteous. But I am just, and my justice is here. It is now. It is upon you. And you will see it manifest in the earth. Seek my love. Follow my love. Trust my love. Live in my love. For without it, you will be crushed. Believe this word is true. You will know it. You will see it. I, the Lord, have spoken.
0: pray. Father, we worship you. We praise you. We love you. Father, you have been silent to me this week in terms of what you wanted for this morning. <clears throat> Even silent last night. And it wasn't until this morning as I was with you. That you began to speak. You began to remind me of things that you've been saying And the conversations that we have had, you and I, for a long time now. Words that I knew would come forth, but didn't know the timing. Forgive me for my struggle this morning. When I was with you. Because I know this word that you have given me this morning is heavy. And even with that, I asked you for a confirmation. I asked you that I could be sure that the timing was right. You're so faithful. You're so faithful. And you give this word through Alexis. As a confirmation for me, and what I believe will be a confirmation for all those here. Lord, I ask that the only thing that comes out of my mouth is you. I give you my mouth, I give you my will. You have my heart. I willingly give everything else that you do it with do with it whatever you want. I understand the weight of these words. I understand that it is not my responsibility to make people believe. But it is each one's responsibility on themselves before you. Father, my part is to speak, and I will. I ask that you bring to mind every piece of conversation that you and I have had that you want me to reveal or disclose for there is some I know that you will not because it will come in time what you want produced in this is faith not only my faith but the faith of those who would hear for it is faith that pleases you not reason, not human understanding, but it is faith. Find us where we are at, where our hearts lie before you. Find us there and spend time with us. For you will always prove out your word. It will never return void. I trust you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. You ever... Know something and then know that there's a day coming when that is to be spoken of or revealed or whatever. That, that is what in part today is. I want you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He took me there this morning. And we're familiar with this thought process but I think it's been misplaced in the bride. I know when I used to teach this for years and years and years, 30 years, I used to teach it in reference to the rapture. I used to teach it in reference to Jesus coming to get his bride. But that's actually... Not what it's about. That's not what it's in reference to. It speaks of the day of the Lord. But let's just start at verse 1 of chapter 5. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware in the day of the Lord, when the day of the Lord will come, it will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then suddenly destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon pregnant women and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. Okay, I want to repeat that because... The understanding that I had before, and let me explain something I said a little bit earlier about the rapture. The understanding that I had before was that the church would be taken out prior to this day of darkness, prior to this day of the Lord, right? And the Lord has shown us very differently. He has shown us of foreshadowings in the wedding of the bride. Okay, and we've talked about this many times that that. If you are to believe his word, believe Revelation 3 verse 9, then there is a coming time on this earth, not in heaven, but in this earth where his bride reigns, where Jesus Christ reigns through his bride. The letters to the churches, I want to encourage you to go through and read. Read specifically chapter 3 verse 9 and you'll see what I'm talking about there where the church will reign on this earth. Now, you look at the situation now and you think there is no way. How in the world can that be? Even all my growing up years, how can that possibly be that Jesus will reign through his bride on this earth? And part of it is to take us through a cycle of his justice. We've talked about this before. That cycle of his justice always hits the church first. It says in scripture, judgment always comes to the church first, right? That justice is for the sake of drawing a line. You have seen a line drawn. You've seen it over the last probably year and a half. And even specifically, more recently than that. Because that line starts to cut deeper. Yeah, you ever take a, a uh, I know uh, my, my background is, is construction, and if, if you go to cut um, something heavy, like even drywall or something like that, you just can't take a razor knife and go, sh- and it's done, right? You have to go score it, then you go score it again, go deeper, go deeper, go deeper until it can finally be broken off. Same way with tile. You score the tile, and then it can be broken off straight, That's what the Lord is doing in this line that he has drawn. He continues to score, continues to score deeper and deeper and deeper. That line cuts deeper and deeper and deeper until it can be broken apart and there is a straight line. He does this for the purpose of Revelation 3 verse 9, to literally make ready his bride. So it says here, this is not to surprise us. What is coming? It says, going back, it says, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. That is talking about for those who are not prepared, for those who do not understand. But he says, there is. Uh, he says, but you, in verse four, but you are not in darkness. In other words, this is not hidden from you. What is coming? It should not surprise you, it says, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do. But let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love. And for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, it packed in that word, to obtain salvation... There's so much more packed in that word than what we equate it to. If you think you obtained salvation when you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, then you're missing a big piece of what he is wanting to do in you. What you achieved, and it wasn't even our achievement, it was just our receiving What you received was justification of sin. You received your ticket, if you will, to heaven. And you were stamped with the Holy Spirit guaranteeing that to you. Ephesians 1 13 and 14 guaranteeing that to you, that eternal life to you, no matter what, no matter what you did from that point on. Because that payment was paid for by Jesus Christ and He paid in full. So what you received there was justification of sin. You received your entry card, if you will, into heaven. But that's not what it's talking about here. Not simply that. That's the beginning. But when it says, having put on the breastplate of faith and love for a hel- for, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. What is that hope? That hope is not just Eternal life. That hope is the very thing Jesus intended from the beginning. It's what he had in the garden with Adam and Eve prior to the fall. Prior to the curse. That's what he wants with you. That's what he wants from his bride. He wants that hope of salvation. That relationship that makes it sweet. Have you ever had a relationship that is so sweet? that you just long for it. You just long for it to be there. I mean, in human terms, we can only match that to a point. But that's how I am with Alexis. Hoping she feels the same way. But it's a relationship that's sweet. It's a relationship that I long for, that I desire to be with her. Unless there's yard work to be done then it's better to be with her afterwards. I kid. I'm sorry. But that relationship is sweet. That, that is what we long for. We work together. We're coming up on our 33rd anniversary in November. I don't know about you. 33 just sounds cool to me. Maybe there's a significance to the 30, 33. I, I don't know. I'm excited about it, though. But that's a relationship that I, I desire, I work toward, I invest in. That's what Jesus wants us to realize about our relationship with Him. And and in that relationship, that hope of that salvation, He told you how you get it. How you get it is by putting on the breastplate of faith and love. You cannot build relationship with Him without understanding the idea of faith. Why? Because He isn't going to come, or hasn't yet... (laughs) Come and physically sat on this couch. Leaned over to Isaac and say, Hey, Isaac, I want to build relationship with you. Just look into my eyes and see my love for you. Right? No, but is he doing that? You bet he is. That's why we receive it by faith. We have to know what he is doing by faith. We open his word and page after page after page after page. Talk about his desire for relationship with us. In that relationship, though, as you build that, in that relationship, you are not to be surprised in the times that we're in. You know what, Lord laid so heavy on my heart this whole week, and I thought He was going to bring it last week, and I, I, and it, and it, I know it goes with this, but. He just kept saying, tell him not to be afraid. Tell him not to be afraid. Don't be afraid of what's going on in Afghanistan. Don't be afraid of what is going on in Afghanistan as it comes even to our shores. Don't be afraid when something comes to your doorstep that you don't know how to deal with. Don't be afraid. Be courageous. Be bold. Be trusting in what he's doing. Because this shouldn't be a surprise to you. If you're in relationship with him, guess what? You don't need to rely on somebody like me or others to tell you what he's saying. Right? You have your own relationship. Now, he will give us different words because he gives us pieces to bring in to fill the hole, to make it whole. But it is each one of us that has the responsibility of proving it out. If you are relying on proving it out based on just your own feelings, or certainly your sight, or your hearing, as to what's going on in this world, you're in trouble. Because what you can prove it out to is in your relationship with him. You go before him and say, Lord, is this true? I want your truth. He will never withhold his truth from you. He will not. So I'm not asking you to believe me. As I said in my prayer, that's not my job. And, and I don't want to sound callous, but I really don't care. Because it's before you. And the Lord to prove it out. But it's not supposed to be a surprise. None of this is supposed to be a surprise. He does have a word today that he wants to bring. But I wanted to point this out that it does not need to be a surprise to us. He is telling us to wake up, He is telling His bride to pay attention. Last, I want to say it was almost two years ago now. It was 2019, September, the end of September, somewhere around there. The Lord had given me a word that, that I preached on. And it was an overall word of what was coming. But then, and I can't remember the message per se, because I think there was a follow-up message at the beginning of the year too. But but the Lord had said what was coming was a foreshadowing of what was in Revelation chapter 9. And we went through that. If, if, if you want to go back, I think it was called the Time of the Gentiles or something like that, broken down into three phases. I think that's what it was, September, end of September of 2019. I encourage you to go listen to it. And, and what he was saying was that we are stepping into a time of foreshadowing the three woes. Now, what's interesting to me is really the foreshadowing is on the two woes. The third woe is fully about the bride. And, and if you want more information on that, you can go back and listen to that. I think it would be worthwhile. But what he gave me at this time, if you recall, during this time, this was two years ago. It was pre-COVID. It was pre-ridiculousness. Free everything that has gone haywire that we know over the last almost two years. He said that that first woe was coming. He didn't say when at that time. That's why I do, I do believe there was a follow-up message. I want to say the, the message was probably in March of 2020 because he did give us a date. And he said that first woe, the shadowing of that first woe would be 150 days. And if you look back now, when that started, which I'd have to look at my notes, but it was, it was March something to the end of July. You saw something happen in this world that has never happened before. Certainly not in our lifetime. Certainly not in our understanding even of recent history. And it was something that was to wake us up as a bride. But in many ways, that line that came to divide woke some up and put others in a stupor. Put others to sleep. That was the purpose of the line. But it happened. And I remember at the time, of course, if you're like me at all. Okay, we live in a microwave society and, you know, dinners to be ready in a minute, 30 seconds and, you know, and all this stuff. And so when, when we knew, when I knew the timing of that first woe and I knew when it was over and July 31st and I'm, I'm like, okay, August 1st, Lord, when's that second one going to start? <laughs> Just, I mean, not that I'm eager for the difficulty to come about, but man, I'm eager for the third woe. Because the third woe is the fulfillment of the bride being in control. Jesus being in control through his bride. So, so whatever it takes, Lord, let's get through the first one, get through the second one. Let's get to that third one, because that's where I want to be. He said, just hold on. He said, after that first one, he said, there has to be a time for people to prove out their choice. Those who chose to be on a certain side of the line, there has to be time for that to be proven out. Isn't that interesting how God always gives time for you to prove what you're gonna do? You can say all you want. I will follow you. I will follow you. I will, fo- I will give my life for you. Really? By the time you hear the crow or the co, uh, the the rooster, <laughs> I was going to say chicken. <laughs> when you hear him the uh, the cock crow twice, there you go. Thank you. Uh, three times uh, twice, then you will have denied me three times. That was the same person, Peter, who said, "I will die for you," and and you know what? He wasn't lying. He even showed that when they came to try and get him, and he, he wanted to fight right then. Now, what's interesting is Peter wanted to die fighting. <laughs> and he was willing to die fighting. But he was not willing to die representing. There's a difference, guys. There's a difference when someone else is in control and you simply represent because you have nothing else you can do. Peter ran. He denied. So when we say, I will follow you, Lord, when we sing what we sang and say, I want what you want for my life, I give you my yes. He doesn't just take that. Okay, awesome. Move on to the next. You have already passed this. We'll move on. No, there becomes a testing period. There comes that time where he allows you to prove it out. Okay, you said yes. Let's see. Let's see. Here's what I need you to do. Here's what I need you to believe. Here's the faith I need you to walk in. Because, see, I, I, God knows what's coming down the line. And, and if we don't have that capacity of faith, He knows that we're going to get swallowed up by it. So He gives a time of testing. So the Lord said, no, the second world will not come right away. I'm going to give them a time of testing to prove out the choice that they made. And, of course, me and my microwave mind, I'm thinking... What do you need, Lord, 30 days? You know, (laughs) 60 days? I mean, seriously, really? You're going to need 90 days? Can't, Can't people be tested just quickly? It was a year. It was a year. The Lord gave that time. But we have entered into the second woe. We have entered into this time. That the Lord has said is three and a half year period. Started at the beginning of August. Which was one year later. Not to the day. But one year later. To when the first woe had had stopped. And I want to talk about the second woe for a second. Because this is what's heavy on the Lord's heart. I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 9. First part of chapter 9 talks about the first woe, and, and one thing the Lord did make very clear. He said that in a foreshadowing, the structure will look the same. The events may look a little different, but the structure will look the same. We saw that play out in the first one. And I'm not going to go through that. If you want to go through that, go back to that, that message. September of 2019. Let's begin at the second woe, which is verse 13. Then the sixth angel angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates, So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, and the year were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. And I heard their number. And this is how I saw the horses in my vision and those who rode with them. They wore breastplates the color of fire and sapphire and of sulfur. And the heads of the horses were like lion's heads, and fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths. By these three plagues a third of mankind was killed, by the fire and the smoke and sulfur coming out of their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents with heads, and by means of them they wound. Let, let me say something here, because I used to teach Revelation a lot. And I understand the the teaching that tries to pull that into today's day and age, because that's where I was. And and how theologians will try to twist that in. Well, that, that, that right there is, I remember when the Apache Cobra helicopter came out. And that was that, and to this day, one of the most devastating military pieces of equipment in history. If you've ever seen one in action, they're incredible. They're amazing pieces of technology. And so, that's what I would equate it with. Well, you know, the power's in, in what comes out of there. There's fire that comes out of the front because the missiles all come out of the front and then there's power in the tail and they, this and that and everything else. Those who have eyes to see, let them see. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. This is describing something very different. Don't all of the sudden think something is a metaphor when God intends it to be literal. This is a spirit realm fight that will be displayed in our physical realm. Understand what I mean by that. There is a physical, or there is a spiritual army that has been called for this woe. The ten thousands times ten thousand. That's not hard to understand, right? I mean, we, we know all the stories. We know when Elisha said to his, to God, open, open my servant's eyes so he could see what's around. We know that the spirit realm is very different than what we see. Okay. Now this is being called for this time. And I, I want to just offer you some, um, some points of agreement. If you want to call it confirmations, whatever you want to call it. But you can, you could go out and search outside of ignition, go out and search other prophetic voices. And you're going to run across prophecies that have been seeing angels. And not normal angels. These are warring type angels. And seeing them in mass. I remember a good friend of mine, Will, he had a vision. Uh, it, and it was, he, he didn't even describe it as a vision. He called me one morning and, and he used to deliver, um, has a different job now, but used to drive a delivery truck. And he calls me and he says, Greg, I'm, I'm driving down the road. He said, everywhere I drive, he said, on both sides of the road, everywhere I've gone this morning are these mounted angels. He said, I've never seen anything like it. First of all, I've never seen a mounted angel. That was different. You know, I mean, every time he had seen an angel, it was an angel by themselves. But these were mounted angels. And he described it. And he's describing this to me. And I said, Will. I said, oh my goodness. What the Lord has been showing me in the second woe. You're describing exactly what he was showing me. So to me, that was a confirmation. Go outside. You will hear it from many Many prophets that these angels have been gathered. There is something that is being prepared for and has been for a while. I I think he had that vision over a year ago that they were being gathered already to be finally released, to do whatever it is they're going to do. So understand that this is a spiritual manifestation, a spiritual battle that will manifest in the physical. Now, does that mean you're going to see these things on horseback going around and do it? No, that's not my point. My point is the war that is going on in the spirit realm will manifest in the physical realm on this earth. I think you're already seeing signs of that happening. But I will say this, that the Lord has told me, He has said that the structure of this woe in the foreshadowing will be the same. That it will take a third of this earth in human form. A third of the world will die. I know that's an extraordinary statement. I mean, to think that he would take a third of the world one time in the tribulation is a lot to think of although if you recognize it's actually in the in the tribulation period he takes a third of the world several times until there's actually very little left so as a foreshadowing he did tell me that a third of the world will fall this is part of the the verse that is literally talking about spitting out the lukewarm now that isn't what consists of that One-third, but they are part of it. The one-third is the whole. He told me that they will also manifest, their deaths will be manifest in three ways, just as it says in this second woe. He did not tell me specifically what those three ways are. I do know two of them. One will be war. One will be the sword. And one will be pestilence. I don't know what the third will be. Perhaps he will give you a word and we will have that complete. Honestly, it doesn't matter. Because we're entering a time where his creation is going to continue to moan, to fight back, if you will. Because his creation wants the Messiah wants the king who is to be king over this earth. So what is coming is going to be a very difficult time. We have entered this time. The Lord declares this as a warning. It is a warning for those who would not believe. It is a hope for those who would Because as devastating a time as this next three and a half years will be, it will be the most amazing, glorious time for those who would press into the Lord. I I don't even know fully what that means. That's just the statement that he said to me. I know that there is protection in him. I know that, that even in the sorrow there is hope that's why going back let me pull it up again going back you don't have to turn there but in 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 8 it says but since we belong to the day let us be sober having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation see it's that faith and that love that is going to get us not only through these times, but is going to bring the very victory that God wants in these times. In the devastation, you're going to see something happen. You're going to see the bride rise up. You're going to see the remnant that we... And by the way, what we call the remnant are those just that... That are in relationship with him. Are pressing into him. You will see them rise up. And it won't be based on their mouths. It won't be based on what they say. It will be based on their heart. Because God knows the heart. But they will rise up. There will be hope. Just like in the devastation that came. The children of Israel. When they were all given this sickness. And this plague. And God told Moses. Raise up. The serpent on a staff. And all they have to do is look at it. That's all they have to do. Just tell them to look at it. Look at it and believe. Give faith. And they'll be healed. The same thing is going to happen in the next three and a half years. The same thing. I give this as a warning for you to press in. For you to press in and trust Him, don't be afraid. But also, do not be a victim of the time. Don't be a victim of the time thinking, well, it is what it is, okay, surah, surah. You know, whatever will be, will be. Oh man, you're going to find yourself on the wrong side of that line, if that's your attitude. That is the attitude that we want to give the Lord. Yes, Lord, whatever will be, will be whatever you want. And then he turns and he says, here's what I want. I want you to stand. I want you to have a mouthpiece for me. I want you to not be afraid. Don't be afraid of what I tell you to do. Don't be afraid. Because in these times, it will not be popular for you to do what he wants you to do. It just won't be. He wants us to stand. And we have to stand knowing that we're doing what He wants us to do. Beyond that, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. I mean, you, you look, at, we're in a foreshadowing, but you look at, at the, the final tribulation. And there were Christians there who stepped forward, who, who gave them their yes but their calling was to go through some difficult things. Many of their callings were ultimately to be martyred. I don't know what that means. I know for me, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what God chooses to do with me. Only that He's the one doing it. That's all I care about. If we are to face difficult things that are coming... And by the way I know that sounds really generic but I want to put you I want you to put yourself in the position of the Christian church that's in Afghanistan right now put yourself in their position how would you react what would you do last week i read an exchange between a a church there and a person here and the last thing they heard you know on, on the phone they were just saying that they don't care what happens they're going to worship they're going to praise They're going to give themselves fully to the Lord. Even the children were heard saying into the phone, we will not submit and deny Jesus. And the last thing that this person that was over here heard on the phone were gunshots, them worshiping, and dying. Put yourself in that position. What would you do? Would you trust in what the Lord has for your life? No matter what. Whether even that life ended in death. And that's a a tough thing to ask. That's a tough thing to ask, especially here in the States. Because, see, we don't grow up thinking that'll happen to us. We think that'll happen somewhere else because those other nations are whacked out. Those other nations are the ones that don't have the security. Those other nations are the the ones that don't have the, the control. It'll it, you know, that would never happen here. That might happen once in a while here in some weird thing, and then all of a sudden they'll get arrested and you know then it'll all be back to normal again. That'll never happen here. Oh my goodness. It has not taken long. Literally the last better portion of a year to see how quickly it can change even specifically the last eight months how quickly it can change how quickly we go from a nation who is a conquering nation who is a protecting nation to a nation who runs away i don't know about you the military friends that i have that i talk to It's just a sickening feeling that they have. It's a sickening feeling. I, I, I grew up in that world. My dad was Marine Corps for 20 years. We've known a lot of people. I've known a lot of people in my, li- in my life who gave their lives for this country. And it was not for the sake of running away. But do you understand what's going on? Those things are being brought out to show the division, to show that line in the sand, to show the choices that are in people's hearts because they don't follow God. Understand what we go through is leading to something very beautiful. That is that third woe. I won't go into it today, but I encourage you to dive into it. That's the seventh trumpet. That's the trumpet where literally the bride rules. Jesus Christ rules through his bride on this earth. And it culminates in the final, Jesus comes to get us. That's the rapture. There's a lot that we have to go through between now and then. Will you be found faithful in that? See, the Lord is saying, I need my bride to wake up. I need my bride to just wake up and understand. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse 6, says this. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God has come upon the sons of disobedience. So do not be deceived, guys. Verse 7, therefore do not become partners with them. For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all, the, all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Not what is pleasing to yourself. Not what makes sense to yourself. Man, the Bible is chock full of things that do not make sense. It doesn't make sense that Jesus preached to one of His largest crowds and said, You will eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. He said this to Jews that can't even touch blood. Can't even touch dying flesh. But yet, you're going to eat of my flesh and you're going to drink of my blood. He's telling to everybody. And then just started to see them all walk away. Started to leave. And he looked at his disciples Are you going to leave me too? Do you think Jesus didn't think that was going to happen? He knew it was going to happen. He did it on purpose. He could have given a message saying it was metaphoric. That his flesh would be given. That his blood would be given for the nations. For those who would accept him as Messiah. He could have gone into the metaphor of all that. But no, what he put in their minds was something that would be offensive to them. That would jar them. That would, they would have to get over that hurdle to believe why why does he do that because that's the cost of faith he needs you to believe and belief isn't simply saying that you believe belief is belief where it doesn't make sense belief is belief even upon offense He's asking the bride to wake up. Verse 11, take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. All the things going on in this world right right now, he didn't say, don't choose to do that. He didn't say, just separate yourself from that. No, he said it's time to be proactive and expose it. Expose truth. Expose what is really going on. For it is shameful even to speak of these things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, God says, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. I want to end this just by reading where Paul took that from. Where it says, Awake, O sleeper, he took it from the book of Isaiah, chapter 51. And Alexa, I'm going to have you come up after I read this. We're going to begin at verse 17, which is where Paul was quoting. And the Lord wants his church to wake up. Wake yourself! Wake yourself! Stand up, O Jerusalem! You who have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of his wrath, who have drunk to the dregs the bowl, the cup of staggering. There is none to guide her among all the sons she is born. There is none to take her by the hand among all the sons she has brought up. These two things have happened to you. Who will console you? Devastation and destruction, famine and sword. Who will comfort you? Your sons have fainted. They lie at the head of every street like an antelope in a net. They are full of the wrath of the Lord, the rebuke of your God. Therefore hear this, you who are afflicted, who are drunk, but not with wine. Thus says the Lord, your Lord, the Lord, your God, who pleads the cause of his people. Behold, I have taken from your hand the cup of staggering, the bowl of my wrath you shall drink no more. I will put it into the hand of your tormentors. You have said You who have said it to you, bow down that we may pass over. And you have made your back like the ground and like the street for them to pass over. Let me explain what this means. He's saying to his bride that the days of you being walked over, of you being stomped on for his sake are coming to an end those days are coming to an end. It doesn't mean that the difficulty is coming to an end because it will be the fight of all fights. It will be what he has called for the next three and a half years. But it will result in his bride being seen as loved by God. Revelation 3 verse 9. That's why we have to have faith. We have to have love. Because in the darkness that is coming, and rest assured, this is not Satan doing it. Please understand that. This is not Satan all of a sudden having some freedom to take away from God what is his. That's not what's happening. If you think that God will not do this, you don't even know the Scripture. If you don't believe that God will bring judgment, if you don't believe that He will do anything that we deem as negative, then you go read Deuteronomy chapter 28 and you tell me where you get that. Where it says 12 times in there, If you do not obey me, I, the Lord, will bring the curse. I, the Lord, will bring the separation. I, the Lord, will bring this upon you. Did he do that because he didn't love Israel? No, he died for Israel. He desperately loves Israel. He just wants Israel to love him. He just wants his children to love him. It's like what they call in parenting, tough love. (laughs) Sometimes it takes tough love for us to see the real choices that he wants us to make. That's the season in which we're entering. And what it says here at the end of, of chapter 51 is that that is switching. What has been trampling on his bride for decades... For centuries. Is now being turned over. And it will be brought to light. Alex, come on
1: um, If you would just pull up really quickly for me. Um, Isaiah 61. I just want to show you one quick thing. And then, um, then I want to read you something really incredible. When Jesus came to set the captives free. He... His promises are that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, 61, 1 and 2, because the Lord has anointed me, we know these verses, to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Verse 2, though, is what I want you to see that it says in what Greg is talking about, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our god you can have favor it can be you know the these messages sometimes cause people to cringe because they feel like the word that's the word of hope is mutually exclusive from the word of the word of judgment and yet they can be in the same he's just saying i want you pure and so his vengeance is because of his righteousness and holiness but you can have favor during these difficult times um, so I read you the word that the Lord gave, and um, what is amazing about when the Holy Spirit is what is spe- who is speaking, He will say the same thing as Greg said. There's there's outside you know prophetic voices. Well, one of our one of our leadership team, Bryn Sellers, uh, who is not here this morning, she's she's with Carson. She immediately texted me after hearing the word that the Lord gave. And she said, wow, when did you receive that word? And I said, well, it was during the fourth song in worship. And she said, that's almost identical to a word that I got Friday morning from the Lord. And so I'm going to read you what the Lord showed her and gave her Friday morning. It is essentially the same thing, but it unpacks it in a couple of other details. I am taking the church into a great time of testing. I am forcing a choice of great reliance and trust, just like I did for the Israelites in the wilderness. Every rug will be pulled out from under them. Every reliance on themselves, their abilities, their human efforts, talents, positions, will all be destroyed. They will choose completely to trust me Or they will be handed over to the ravenous, devouring teeth of the spirits of fear. They will have to trust me for sustenance. They will have to trust me for food. They will have to trust for safety. They they will have to trust me for their very safety. They will have to hand over every family member and person they love to me in complete trust they will be forced to choose there will be nowhere else to go what an amazingly similar word that the lord gave that can sound ominous but only to the person that's not willing to choose the lord because see his arms of love are open to those who choose him that has always been the case he just is coming now to set free the captives who are held by those who do not choose him. So his justice is in freeing the captives, is stopping the captors. Do you see what I'm saying? So don't look, even though this is a heavy word, it should never be heavy to the person who is absolutely 100% completely and totally sold out to God. Because he will never leave us or forsake us. But if you're dancing around on both sides of the line, if you need your church do-goodism to feel like you're, you're validated, if you need certain groups and circles to, to come alongside of you for your very identity and for your very strength, even though God offers that in the body of Christ, if that's what you need and that is what you rely on, you will find yourself struggling like never before, and God will not allow it. Because even though those benefits are great, I have so many benefits in my marriage, I actually have the benefit of getting yard work done when he does it. But you know what? If I married him for his yard work ability, if I married him, it's really a joke to say I married him for his money because that was just never an issue. <laughs> um, but if I, if I married him for financial provision, in fact, those things come. But when you marry, you marry for the person. For the person. And that's what Jesus wants. Any other reason for having a covenant with somebody is well, I you know, I promise to whatever, whatever, as long as I get all the benefits that I hope you have potential for. Do you know sometimes that's how people approach their relationship with the Lord? It's like as long as you'll give me X, Y, and Z and you'll give me all my what I deem to be comforts, I'll I'll stay in this agreement. And yet, what are, the, what are the most common vows in marriage? For better or for worse? You know, the worst can sometimes be the sweetest time in a marriage. What we have gone through in these last 33 years have grown us closer. And because of, really, the, the commitment that, that we have to the Lord first is what gives us the ability to be together. But again, marriage is a picture of our relationship with the Lord. So don't, in this heaviness, there's always hope. And, um, and it is going to be in those that resist and are even unable to see the hope in the heaviness of this message who will really miss it. Because every time, um, the Lord uh, shows us the consequences of our life, I mean, um, we have to be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. We will we will reap what we sow and you know what when you're sowing unto the Lord when you are, are seeking him and sowing him you're not afraid of what is coming up as a harvest you're not you're not afraid of that you're not worried about that um, so I, I just want to I want to pray and and I want to pray that that you you seek the father's heart and you ask the Holy Spirit for the right lens on a message like this and again be an accent 1711 believer go and prove out the word spend time i was saying that to the ladies this morning are you in the word are you letting the holy spirit speak through his word um rather than trying to parse every word greg says well i don't know if that's true i don't know go to the lord Go to the Lord. Anytime the Lord shows us that, just as he started the message, anytime the Lord shows us that we're maybe off in our timing or we're quick to interpret a word, um, we'll be very transparent with you. God has been so faithful, though, to prove the word that he's given. When it's his word directly, our interpretation sometimes is off. But when it's his word that he's given us, he has proven every single one of them. It is amazing. So let's pray. Father God, I just praise you, God, today. I thank you, God, that you have come, Jesus, to conquer all of hell's kingdom. Death, hell, sin. You have come to set the captives free, God. And when we just choose to believe, even when we don't understand, when we just submit to you and you alone, God, not leaning on our own understanding, not even trying to In our own strength, keep us from being deceived, but deeply surrender to you, knowing that our hearts desire you, God. You, by your spirit, will protect us from deception, from being off, because a broken and a contrite heart thou wilt not despise. So, God, I just thank you. I thank you, God, for what you are doing and that in doing that, Lord, we can have favor with you, even in the midst of... Of your righteous holy vengeance being poured out on the earth. Because it is time. And I thank you for that, God. I thank you that that the captives will be set free. And I pray, God, that you would even this moment open eyes to see and to choose you, God. Give us the just the heart posture to open our hands from the holding on of all the things in our life, God that you might not have to pry our hands open because that is the painful way. But God, I also I have to thank you, Lord, for even all the things that you've brought many of us through thus far that have shown us who you are, your character, your love, shown us where there were pieces of our heart that we thought and we spoke and we said were surrendered to you, God. But when it came right down to it, we were still clinging on to self-reliance. We weren't even trusting you, and, and we thought we were. So God, that's why you're bringing about the shaking. And I pray, God, that in the shaking you would open the eyes of your bride, open the eyes of your people, strengthen, and show yourself to your remnant, that they might just come up higher in intimacy and relationship with you. God, your arms are open to everyone who seeks you. So, Lord, I just pray that you would just, God, I pray that you would receive the glory from, from our surrender and our worship to you this morning, God. I just praise you. Thank you, God, for this word, the Lord, while, that while heavy, God, it is also the movement towards the purity of your bride, and you deserve it. You are worthy of it. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, God, what the Spirit is saying to the churches in these perilous times, God. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus and let us walk in boldness, knowing who you are and who you say we are in you, that we would be the light that pierces the darkness, that we would not cower, that we would not comply with various uh, demon confines god around us to try to get us into agreement with with um, the enemy's agenda but that we would stand bold and stand firm and be able to see with clarity what you're doing god we need you but we have you and i praise you for that we give all of this god we give this word to you and i pray that, that everyone listening would be able to say with me, God, that I give you me, all of me. I make room for you, God. Because apart from you, I can do nothing. Thank you, thank you for who you are in the name of Jesus. Amen.